We're going to turn in God's Word tonight to Matthew's Gospel and uh, chapter 8. Thank you for coming out tonight, folks. We really appreciate it. Um, Matthew chapter 8. Uh, just before we read the word, I want to read a, a quote here from Spurgeon uh, with regards to the importance of the Holy Spirit uh, when it comes to the preaching of the word. Uh, this is what Spurgeon says, Unless the Holy Spirit blesses the word, we who preach the gospel are of all men most miserable, for we have attempted a task that is impossible. We have entered on a sphere where nothing but the supernatural will ever avail. If the Holy Spirit does not renew the hearts of our hearers, we cannot do it. If the Holy Ghost does not regenerate them, we cannot. If he does not send the truth home into their souls, we might as well speak into the ear of a corpse. Uh, that's what Spurgeon says regards the importance of having the Holy Spirit. Uh, of course, it was the Holy Spirit that has inspired God's Word. It is the Holy Spirit uh, that illuminates God's Word. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers the Word. And it's only the Holy Spirit tonight that will penetrate uh, the hardest heart in this meeting. So, obviously, it is vitally important that the presence of the Spirit of God is in our meeting tonight. So we're going to read here from uh, Matthew chapter 8 and uh, the verse 28. Matthew 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the uh, Gergesenes, or the Gadars, or, Ga- or the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If they cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd ran, uh, herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. We'll just bow in a wee word of prayer. <coughs> Father, we just give you thanks tonight that we're found out in uh, your house this evening. And um, we pray Holy Spirit, tonight for your presence and your help and your power. Uh, We pray, Father, that uh, through your word tonight, your Holy Spirit will speak into the hardest heart in this meeting. Lord, we thank you for God's people that are out tonight to support the meeting. Um, But perhaps not everyone in the meeting is saved. Perhaps not everyone in the meeting is born again. And perhaps there's someone in the meeting tonight that's still not prepared for the vastness of God's eternity. And we just pray that uh, this word tonight, your word, will uh, penetrate their heart and allow them to see 
that they need Christ and that Christ is their only hope of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapters 5 and 6 of the, the book of Matthew, the Lord went up to a mountain where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. He taught us how believers should, should be living in the Beatitudes, about Christians being the salt and the light of the world. He taught us about divorce and adultery. He taught us how to love our enemies, about prayer and fasting, and about the two ways there are into eternity. And after all of that teaching, he then comes down from the mountain again in verse 1 of this chapter, and he actually puts his words into action. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is a doer of the word. He practices here what he preaches. In this chapter, he heals a leper, he heals a centurion's servant, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then in verse 23, he then boards a ship again with his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee. We are told then that a great storm arose and the waves actually threatened to sink the ship. Some commentators actually believe that this was a type of supernatural satanic storm that was stirred up by the forces of darkness to prevent the Lord from reaching the other side and healing these two men that were possessed by demons. You know, the devil is going to hell and he will do everything he can in his power to bring men in with him to that place. And he does that by preventing the gospel from reaching them and preventing the gospel from penetrating and taking root in their hearts. If the devil was behind this storm, then we see here how ineffective Satan is against the Lord because the Lord just slept right through this storm until the disciples decide to wake him up. Satan may be mighty, but our Lord Jesus Christ is almighty. It is better to be a follower, therefore, of Jesus Christ than to be a slave to the devil. Jesus easily calmed the storm with a few words from his lips, from his lips indicating that the devil is no match for God. The forces of Satan will do anything to prevent men and women meeting the Savior because he knows that an encounter with Christ will cause a spiritual blindness to lift. A meeting with the Son of God will cause you to see things through the eyes of God. It will change your life and it will save your soul for all eternity. And that's exactly what happened to these two men here that were possessed by demons. You know, the demonic world is never very far away from any one of us. They are constantly seeking our destruction. And until the Lord binds the devil, he will not cease to blind you and me and try to bring us down. Perhaps all your life, Satan has been successful in keeping you at a distance from the Lord. Perhaps you've had little interest in the things of God up to this point because there's always seemed to have been so much going on in your life. Maybe the wind and the waves have always kept your attention to keep you occupied and much too busy to stop and to think about where you are and where you are headed. So many other things happening in your life. Maybe exams and education, working, marrying, buying a house, raising a family, paying your bills. And of course, all of that is legitimate and it is right. But it has meant that you have had absolutely no time to consider Christ or to think about eternity. Well, for a few moments tonight, I want us to look here at these two gathering demoniacs because these guys were in a desperate situation, just like all sinners tonight are in a desperate situation. It was only the Lord Jesus that could help these demon-possessed men, and what he did for them, he can do for you. There are three different powers at work over these three men that day. And first of all, we see here, first of all, the influence of Satan. 
Now, folks, let us remember again from the very outset that the devil is a very real enemy. And just as there are angels sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation, there are also unseen demons very near to every one of us. The devil is a very dangerous individual. And no Christian prayer could ever be complete which does not contain at least one petition to keep us safe from the devil. Satan is the king over an enormous host of subordinate spirits who will do his will. J.C. Ryle said this, We would probably find, if our eyes were opened, to see spirits, that they are in our homes, at our bedside, in our workplace, in our churches, and in this meeting tonight, observing everything that we do. In private and in public, the enemies of God are everywhere. Satan is a thief. The Lord Jesus Christ said, The thief comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This story here shows us that, or what Satan will do to another human being. He will rob you of your sanity and your self-control. He will fill you with fear and steal from you good friends and a loving home. Satan will rob you of an abundant life on earth and an eternal life in heaven. And he had certainly robbed these two poor men of an abundant life and would have condemned them to an eternity of judgment if Jesus Christ hadn't stepped in and hadn't come to their rescue. Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission to seek and to save precious souls from hell. He has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Speaking of Satan, John saw in his vision in the book of Revelation, they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And of course, this angel of the bottomless pit is your king tonight if you're not saved. This king is Satan. And if you continue to reject Christ as Savior, then what you're doing is you're choosing to spend eternity with Satan in the bottomless pit rather than with Christ in heaven. Verse 28 says that these two men were possessed with devils and they met Jesus. Mark 5 tells us that Jesus asked one of the men his name and the the demons answered through this one man saying, Legion, for we are many. Of course, a Roman legion could have had as many as 6,000 soldiers. Uh, So that was 6,000 soldiers in this man, or 6,000 demons in this man. So we're we're not told how these demons possessed the men, but possibly it was the result of the type of sinful practice that they might have been involved in. The occult. Perhaps they were involved in yoga or fortune telling or the Ouija board or sorcery. You see, if you have not the Spirit of God within you, then unclean spirits can easily get a foothold in the lives of people who will cultivate these sinful practices. Because they yielded to Satan, these two men lost everything. They lost their family, they lost their friends, and they lost their homes. They lost their peace, they lost their purpose for living. We're told that they were naked, and they lived in a graveyard taking shelter in dead men's tombs. You know, a lot of people, even religious people today, they take shelter in the tombs of dead men, having their ears tickled and being comforted by dead sermons preached by spiritually dead preachers. A lot of churchgoers today are simply victims of the blind who are leading the blind. Many are being led into a false sense of security by the words of some false prophet. But there is no safety or shelter in the words of an unsaved clergyman. 
He has nothing to offer you except death and destruction. You must look to the Savior. You must listen to the words of Jesus Christ who tells us all that you must be born again. If you're ever going to get into heaven, then you must first get heaven into you. The demon-possessed men were exceeding fierce or extremely angry. And that's why Peter wrote in his first epistle, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, seeketh or walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And the reality is he will devour you. You can be sure of that. Your only haven is not in the tombs of dead men, but in Christ the solid rock. In Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I wonder, friend, where you stand this evening. In verse 28, it says that there was no way you could have got past these two men. These two men would have killed you on the spot. They would have ripped you apart. I dread to think what might have happened if a a woman had walked into this area by mistake. And you know, you will find demons behind a lot of horrific crimes that are even going on today. I was chatting to a man one time, uh, and before he was saved, he used to drink with uh, some of the Northern Ireland's most notorious terrorists. And when he would have taken drugs, he was, he was able to look across the barroom and see the demons rising out of, of those terrorists. You see, whenever Satan is in control of your life, you will be capable of anything. And you will do things that you once thought you would never do. And then we also see here the influence of society. Society had not been a great deal of help to these two men. Today, of course, we've got hospitals and nursing homes, we have homeless shelters and hostels, soup kitchens and food banks, and they're all designed to help the vulnerable and those who are not as well off as ourselves. But in Bible times, society's solution to certain people like this was just to get them out of the community and to put them into their own ghettos. And it appears this is what they've done with these two individuals here that were being tormented by demons. There are many individuals today and they, they're seen, seen as problem people and they're isolated and they're guarded and they're bound and they're put out of society. And Luke tells us that these men were chained, but the devil had given them supernatural power to break the chains. Even men's attempts to chain these two individuals had failed. You know, with all of our wonderful scientific achievements, society today still cannot cope with the problems that are caused by Satan and by sin. In spite of medical advancements, we still have sickness, we still have disease, and we still have death. In 6,000 years, man has never found the cure for death. But here in God's word, it gives us a remedy for sin, which is the cause of death. And Jesus says in John's gospel, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Every person that ever lived apart from Enoch and Elijah has died. Death and disease is the direct result of sin. In Romans, Paul said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he represented the whole of mankind. Adam was created to live forever, but the consequence of his sin was his death. Being the first man, Adam contained the seed of all men. So when he sinned, we were all contaminated with sin. And so death passed to us all. Because we are directly related to Adam, every person born into this world has been born a sinner. We are not sinners because we have sinned, but we have sinned because we are sinners. 
Society could not help these men. And the reality is society cannot help us. All the religions and the bishops and the imams and the rabbis and the cardinals, priests and vicars of this world will not bring you one inch closer to God. We can't even help ourselves. The fact is we are under the condemnation and the wrath of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can help us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In America, <clears throat> President Trump recently on television was giving a full and complete pardon to a turkey on Thanksgiving's day. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't pardon poultry, he pardons people. And I can tell you he's pardoned me and he can pardon you. The demoniac's only hope was found in Jesus Christ. And friend, your only hope tonight by a million miles is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we see here the influence of the Savior. You know, with the fearless king of the Jews comes on the scene and immediately he is recognized. Now, it's very interesting here in that when the demons spoke through this man, they confessed what they actually believed. This was a statement of faith that any Christian would have been proud of. Verse 29, they cried out probably in fear, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, O Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? You see, they were convinced here that Jesus would immediately send them to hell. These demons believed in the existence of God and in the deity of Jesus Christ. They believed in a future judgment and of a place of torment. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the deity of Christ, nor do they believe in a place called hell. So is that cult actually worse than these demons? I wonder, do you believe in a place called hell tonight? Because we see here that the demons definitely do. These demons believed in the power of prayer because they knew that Christ had the power to send them into the swine. You know, some people don't believe in the power of prayer because the fact is they don't pray. They really don't pray. So does that make those people worse than demons? Well, you tell me. These demons knew that this was God the Son because as the second person of the Trinity, he had created them. These demons had once been angels in heaven along with Lucifer, but they had rebelled against God and had been cast out of heaven. You see, they knew Jesus. They had lived with him. At one point, they had actually served him. Demons have faith tonight. And they even tremble in fear because of what they believe and because they know their final destination is the lake of fire. James says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But the devils also believe and they tremble. You see, demons believe in one God. They believe in a coming judgment. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Religious people believe that too. And in fact, they often repeat it in the Apostles' Creed in their churches So what makes religious people better than the demons? When it comes to the Bible, you know, I've heard some religious people say, well, I believe this, but I don't believe that. I believe in the virgin, or I don't believe in the virgin birth, some people would say. I don't believe that you need to be saved. Don't believe you need to be born again. I don't actually believe, you know, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's what some religious people say. So, When you think about that, does that make them worse than demons? Because we see here that the demons believe it all. If all you can say is on Judgment Day is that 
you believe what the demons believe or you don't believe all that the demons believe, then the fact is you're in big trouble. You may well believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but so do the demons. But neither their faith nor their fear can save them. Demons believe there is a hell, and the demons know that they're going there. The reality is this, if you really believe there is a God, then you must cry out for God's mercy. You must repent of your sin, and you must ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul. The demons were worried that they were going to be tormented before their time. You see, there is a place of torment tonight. There is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for all eternity. And it's for all who who reject Christ's offer of mercy. Demons believe in the reality of the judgment. And that one day soon they will be cast into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. On that last day, all who are not washed in the blood of the Lamb will hear those spine-chilling words from the one who shed his precious blood. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Satan tried to destroy these men, but the Lord Jesus Christ came to deliver them. And friend, Satan will destroy you. But tonight, Jesus will deliver you if you ask him. By the power of his word, he cast out the demons and he set the men free. And he will set you free tonight from your burden of sin if you would just come to him in faith. And so the demons here, they began actually to pray. They prayed that Jesus would not torment them, but instead that he would send them into the herd of swine. And it's encouraging that the demons didn't know what Jesus was going to do next, after he sent them into the swine. So this means that they couldn't have read his mind. And it suggests that Satan will know God's plans only if God reveals them to him. In fact, there is no evidence anywhere in Scripture that Satan can read the mind of any believer, let alone the mind of Christ. There were a number of requests made to the Lord here. First of all, the demons requested that Jesus would send them into the pigs. The Lord granted their request with one word. He said, go. And the demons went into the swine and the whole herd committed suicide. They committed suicide because they were possessed by demons. If this is what a legion of demons can do to 2,000 pigs, then imagine what those two poor men had to suffer until Jesus came. Whatever, friend, you're going through today, Jesus has the power to answer all your problems. If he can help two men that were possessed with 6,000 demons, then he can certainly help the drug addict, the alcoholic, the sodomite, the porn addict, and even the abused. But if you try to sort those things out by yourself, without Christ, then you will fail because all you'll ever do is try to paper over the cracks. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus sent the demons into the pigs for a number of reasons. Firstly, by doing so, Jesus gave the evidence that the miracle had actually taken place in the lives of these two individuals. Secondly, the destruction of the pigs also gave assurance to the men that the unclean spirits were now finally gone. And thirdly, thirdly, the drowning of the pigs was an illustration to this Christ-rejecting crowd that to Satan, a pig is as good as a man. 
You see, Satan is not fussy in who he possesses. In fact, Satan will make a man into a pig. You'll remember what happened to the young prodigal who went off to the far country. He ended up in the pig's truck. The Lord was warning the people against the powers of sin and Satan. It was a dramatic sermon illustration before their very eyes. When the pigs were drowned, they could see for themselves that truly the wages of sin definitely meant death. And you know, my friend, if you are still under the control of the devil tonight, then you too can have this miracle take place in your life. You can enjoy full assurance of sins forgiven as you observe not someone else's life being changed, but observe your own life being changed right before your very eyes. Your old desires will change. You may not be able to explain it, but it will happen. The things that you love, you will then hate. And the things that you once had no time for, you will hunger and you'll thirst after. Mark tells us that when the owners of the pigs came out to investigate, they found the men sitting, closed, and in their right minds. What a turnaround here. What a change. One minute these were crazy men. The next minute they were Christian men. Truly they could sing from their hearts, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. They were simply now new creatures in Christ. The demons had destroyed the pigs, but Jesus had came and delivered the two men from the demons. You see, God owns everything and can do whatever he wants. God loves you tonight, friend, and he he values one soul far more than all the pigs and all the cattle and all the sheep in all the world. What a miracle can take place in your life if only you would just allow Jesus to take control. Why would you want to hold on to your sin when this miracle worker from Nazareth will cast it as far as the east is from the west? What a life you can have in Jesus starting right now this minute if you would only allow him to take control of your life. The second request was made by the people that came out of the city. They simply wanted Jesus to clear off. Now, you would have thought that these same people would have wanted Jesus to stay on and to continue to help the people in the area. But no, they were afraid that Jesus would do more damage and maybe destroy the local economy. They were more concerned about wealth than health, physical health and spiritual health of the community. It was of no concern to them. They cared for nothing but that their pigs were dead and their prophets were decimated. But the Bible says this, What shall it profit a man if he will gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Randy Alcorn says this, He who lays up treasure in earth spends his life backing away from his treasures, and to him death will be lost. But he who lays up treasures in heaven continuously looks forward to eternity because he's always moving daily towards his treasures, and to him, death will be gain. Sadly, today, there are far too many like these citizens in Gadara. They care not one bit for Christ or his precious blood. They have no time for God in their life. And all they want to do is to make a load of money, which they will have to leave behind. <clears throat> a bank manager recently said that the farmers in his area were the most jealous in all the country. They were jealous of what the next man had. And the Bible is one word for those types of people. It calls them fools. You see, their riches will rust and perish on earth, while their souls will rot and perish in hell. 
We would all do well to remember tonight that every day that we have, we have souls to be saved and that one day soon we will be dead. And after that will be the judgment. We must examine ourselves whether we are in the faith and make sure we love the Lord and not the world because the Bible is very clear. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. However, again, we see that Jesus actually granted the request of these people and he did what they wanted him to do. He, He simply left. You see, the Lord will not force himself on anyone. He will not stay where he is not welcome and he will not cast his pearls before swine. The pigs had drowned in the Sea of Galilee that day and the people chased the Lord Jesus back into the sea as well. The Lord got back into the ship. He sailed over the sea to Capernaum, which was on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee, and there he continued to heal the people. Now, folks, if you reject the Lord and want nothing to do with his healing or his miracles or his salvation, you will be the loser, and you will miss out on a wonderful, wonderful inheritance. Either way, God will continue to build his kingdom and gather his children, whether you reject him or not. The Lord will simply move on to where he is wanted and where people will appreciate what he has done for them on the cross. And he will heal them and he will do a miracle in their lives. Folks, in verse 28 here, it says that Jesus crossed to the other side. But you know what? I wonder tonight, when it comes to your turn to cross to the other side, where will your boat eventually dock? When you finish your voyage and you step out of life's boat into God's vast eternity, what will it be that you'll be stepping into? Will you be in heaven with God and his angels and all your saved family and friends? Or will you be with the devil and his demons and all the lost from all the ages being tormented in the flame? I wonder will that be you? Why would you want to spend the rest of eternity in hell? When the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to save you right now. Friend, you have a soul that will never, ever die. A soul that must be saved and a soul that one day will be judged. The day the gathering demoniacs met Jesus was the day that their lives were transformed forever. Jesus made an immediate impact in their lives. You know, when Jesus arrived in that area, these men were crazy. They were angry, they were violent, they were naked individuals. They had supernatural strength from the devil. They were breaking their chains that held them, and they were even self-harming. They were self-harming. It tells us that they were cutting themselves with rocks. But when Jesus was leaving that day, they were sitting down, they were calm, they were closed, and they were begging to be followers of Jesus Christ. Friend, that same power is available to you right now tonight. If you would simply allow Jesus into your life to take control and to save your soul. And before you leave this building this evening, you too can be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, it's a wonderful life. There's Christians here tonight and they could testify till the cows come home what a wonderful life Jesus has given them. And it is available to the whosoever. Don't waste your life. Don't enter into 2020 without a saviour. But enter into 2020 with a saviour. With a new life, a real purpose for living. With new dreams and ambitions and goals. With a saviour that loves you. A saviour who died for you. Friend, it's available tonight. And all you have to do is come.